Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Matt Williamson here. I am back on the Locked On NFL podcast. Couldn't be happier about it. To begin the second week of its existence. Pretty excited. And I thought the first week went very well. Uh, it's about 11 o'clock here in Pittsburgh. I'm up in my bedroom actually kind of hiding out. The, uh, the kids are home, they're done with camps for the summer, so they're going to be floating around until I can get them back to school. Kind of excited to get them back to school. It's going to be tough getting work done these next couple weeks with them here, but such is life. I've dealt with it before. I've dealt with it for basically for the last you know, 10 years or so with dealing with the little rugrats, and they get as much out of summer as they can. They've had a good one, obviously. So... Last night, you know, you know, let's talk about the front four. I got four topics for us to discuss. And got all of us got thrown a curveball, man. I mean, <laughs> I planned on, you know, watching the game, taking three or four notes away from the game and discussing it with y'all and figuring it out from there. I just said y'all. I don't know if I've ever said y'all in my life. Usually that a Pittsburgh thing is yins, not y'all. But anyways, the Hall of Fame game, Packers-Colts, was canceled last night because of field conditions. Strange thing, I didn't really look into why exactly. It's something to do with the painting. I really don't care why. I just know the game wasn't on. I wasn't able to watch it. It wasn't, you know, it doesn't sound like Aaron Rodgers was going to play. It didn't sound like Brett Hundley was going to play. Hundley was the guy I wanted to see the most, to be very honest with you. But it's always good to see the rookies for the first time and they're, you know, in their new, you know, in in a Packers uniform, in a Colts uniform. See how, see if they belong. It's just it's a lot to take from preseason games. And we'll obviously get into that in these next couple of weeks. And we're gonna, I'll be watching, you know, 80% of the, the snaps this preseason, the best I possibly can. Um, but I was asked, because the game got canceled, can I just give, you know, a minute or two on the Packers and the Colts? You know, what do they need to do to really contend? The Packers, to me, are a contender. They have one area of their roster that worries me, and... That's an inside linebacker. You know, they're, they're moving Clay Matthews from inside to outside. A move, I think, is absolutely the right one. He's much better on the outside. And frankly, I thought he was a average starting inside linebacker. So uh, he needs to be rushing the passer from the outside. They'll probably move him around. But you match him with Perry and Peppers, that should be a pretty good edge pass rush. Matthews is a great player. I thought he was somewhat neutered as an inside linebacker. But in typical Packers fashion, they really didn't go out and get a veteran. I, I thought that would be the ideal move was to you know, add, add one of these veteran inside linebackers to really complete the defense in free agency. They drafted Blake Martinez in the mid-rounds of the draft, and you know they used a pick there last year. But, and I know Barrington's in the picture. He's, he's banged up right now. And they have, they're deep in the secondary, so they could probably get away with dime with only one linebacker on the field in sub-packages. And I think in the end, that'll be Martinez. But, you know, who's the, who's the guy with the headset? Who's the, 
the inside linebacker that controls the defense. And I don't think any of those guys that I mentioned are difference makers. They're very young at that position, too. Um, I, I, I'm a fan of the Packers front office, don't get me wrong, but I thought that was one thing in the whole offseason. It's not a real expensive position that, that they could have done better was to add a better player, one guy they could count on as an inside linebacker. I, I think the rest of the defense is quite good. I think the defense will, or the offense, will rebound huge. I mean, mostly because I'm a massive Aaron Rodgers believer. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the podcast or not yesterday or this last week, but the offense for the Packers was a perfect storm of terribleness last year. Started with the Nelson injury. The other receivers didn't really step up. Didn't get talked a lot a lot, but Cobb played with a bad shoulder the entire year. And those outside guys without Nelson weren't threats at all. They couldn't beat man coverage, so they got more and more of it. We didn't see, you know, the timing was thrown off. It's a very timing-based offense. That's an offense, a passing game that's designed on you beat your guy as opposed to we're going to scheme it up and get you open, which, you know, you can blame McCarthy for some of this too, for sure. Um, Then the offensive line got riddled with injuries. Eddie Lacy wasn't the same at any point. So it's not just the Nelson injury, but that was the first big domino that fell. And then all these other things happened, and as great as Rodgers is, he could not overcome it. It is a team game. You know, there was no timing to the offense. There were drops. I think that's all going to vanish. I mean, I still think this is one of the best offensive lines in the league. I don't know that I trust Eddie Lacy, but I think he'll be good enough in a contract year. And Starks is a good player. Um, and, and then you look at the receivers – can Janice, can Adams, can Abadaris, can Montgomery, uh, can Cook, can any of those guys be better players than they were a year ago? Uh, call me crazy, but I'm still a big Devontae Adams fan. That is concerning, and it is something we should look at, though, is you know how healthy is Jordy? You know, you're not hearing wonderful news so far out of, out of Green Bay on him. So we'll see on that. That is a bit of a concern. As for where the Colts are, you know, big picture – I'm not nearly as optimistic about Indianapolis. Much like Rodgers, I think Luck will rebound heavy and be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think their offensive line will go from below average to slightly above average, maybe average, which is good enough with this weaponry. I think the Kelly selection was a great one. The left side of the line is already pretty good, and they have some options on the right side of the line. So, There is a little depth here. There are some options for the first time. They've certainly been attacking it over and over. Gore should have enough left in the tank, but this is going to be a high-power passing game. I like Dwayne Allen a lot. He could be a breakout guy this year if he can stay healthy. Moncrief absolutely is a breakout guy. Hilton's a constant. I like Dorsett. I think this offense will score points. I think the passing game will be very good, and they're going to have to. You know, here's my concern is I think this is going to be a bottom five defense. Uh, you know, who's good on the Colts defense? Vontae Davis, he's kind of coming off a so-so year for him. I like Harry Anderson, uh, you know, <laughs> but he's not exactly J.J. Watt. You know, who's good? Uh, you know, they're old on defense. They've consistently, I have a lot of problems with this front office overall, but they have consistently drafted on offense and plugged in old free agents, not even guys come off their first contract, but Trent Coles and guys like that on the defensive side of the ball in a win-now move, and it isn't working, and I think it's going to you know, pay poor consequences down the road. So I think the Colts are a 
seven win team and a lot of points being scored in Colts games on both sides of the ball. Another news, Adam Schefter has reported that Reggie Ragland's knee revealed what appears to be a partial ACL tear for the Bills. And there will be a second uh, opinion tonight, to, you know, late this afternoon. Maybe even by the time you hear this, you will know what the status of Reggie Ragland's knee is. As a result, the Bills went out and signed Brandon Spikes, who hasn't played for a while. At his best was a great old-school throwback run-defending linebacker. I think he ran like a five-flat, though, at his pro day and does not cover a lot of ground in space. Is not a coverage player at all. I could see Rex Ryan liking Spikes quite a bit if he's, you know, similar to where he was last. Who knows if he is? He also had some off-the-field run-ins. But, man, there is very little good news coming out of Buffalo. And I did my power ranks last week, and that's part of the reason. You know, I mean, you look at their front seven last year, Mario Williams and, you know, their linebackers weren't very good. They're one of the worst pass-rushing teams in the league. So what do they do? They run out and they, their first three draft picks are all front seven players. Lawson, his shoulder's all messed up. Who knows when he's going to see the field. Now Raglan hurts his knee. And I looked at Raglan like he's going to be Rex Ryan's Ray Lewis, Bart Scott. You know, that every down, even though Raglan has some questions about the coverage player, but he was going to be the extension of Rex Ryan on the field. You know, the guy with the headset, the tough guy, leader coming from a great Bama defense, you know, very high football IQ. And then, you know, this is going to stunt his development to some degree, even if the news, you know, uh, tomorrow at this point or tonight is, is good. It doesn't sound like it's going to, you know, there's some issue here. And so, you know, the first two draft picks in a major need area in their front seven probably are going to give them very little this year. And what's that leave? I mean, Marcel Darius is a very good player. I think Hughes is a very good player. But now you're counting on, you know, Kyle Williams, who I really liked, but, you know, I got to think that he's in the twilight of his career or maybe already fallen off the cliff. The second-level guys are poor. The corners and the second, the secondary and the corners specifically are very good in Buffalo, but man, I, I got to think Rex is in for a long season. I, I'm not hearing anything good out of Buffalo, and it, it scares me quite a bit for this team. You know, we'll see, but all the news coming out of there has not been favorable. Other injury news that kind of went under the radar is the Bears center, uh, Grasso, is going to miss the entire 16th season with a, an ACL on his right knee. That's, that's a problem. You know, I, I looked at the Bears and think, okay, they're moving long from right tackle to guard. They used an early pick on white hair. Maybe he won't be wonderful right away, but he should be a very good NFL guard. But I didn't like their tackles at all. I think their pair of tackles are one of the worst in the league. And there was questions at center. You know, Matt Slauson got cut. Manny Ramirez retired. They were counting on Grassall, who didn't really play very well. And he's kind of an undersized guy. But, you know, I think he was a third-round pick, and they have something invested in him. That, you know, he, he was somebody they were counting on. So now I look at their offensive line, and three-fifths of it to me are bad, you know, are well below average. They could be very good at the guard spots, but, man, that's going to be difficult, you know, and, and this offense is starting to raise some red flags. I'm a Cutler believer. 
I don't like their stable running backs. In fact, I think Jordan Howard will be their best running back when it's all said and done. I love Kevin White. I love Alshon Jeffrey. But there's not a lot of depth at receiver. Just seems like a very volatile, fragile offense, and some things are not going so well overall for them. You know, and they're not real deep to begin with. It's still a very much a rebuilding team. So not good news out of Chicago. And like I've said before, I mean, almost everything we're going to read from here on out is not good news. Are people going down? I mean, uh, all these rosters have added, 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 added since the Super Bowl. Well, they're about to get, you know, deleted, deleted, deleted. They're going to start losing people to injuries and or to bad play. So that's what's happened. Um, we just went through Hall of Fame weekend and... Uh, I didn't catch a whole lot of the ceremonies and whatnot, um, but I am a big Hall of Fame fan. They announced, you know, who are some of the uh, the, the first year eligible players for the upcoming Hall of Fame, and, and the real big name there is Ladanian Tomlinson, and I think he's an easy first ballot Hall of Famer. Although I've said that about Marvin Harrison of late, Terrell Owens of late. Um, I, I think LT walks right in. I, I don't see what the qualms would be with this guy at all. Um, another first-year player is Brian Dawkins. A he, For me, I love the guy. I mean, he's one of those players that if he plays in your hometown, everybody has his jersey. Um, he's an all-time Eagles favorite. He's a great, great safety. But I think he just misses the cut when it's all said and done. And then the other one that's a first-year eligible player that's certainly of interest is Jason Taylor. I don't know how I feel about him. You know, there's a lot of pass rushers, and I talked about this a little bit on Friday, going back to Kevin Green. From this era, the Peppers and Jared Allens and Freenies, and there's probably seven to eight, you know, seven to ten of these guys that are very good but are they Hall of Famers? I mean, none of them are LT. None of them are Derek Thomas. You know, none of them are really Von Miller, even, in my opinion. They're played at the level Miller is right now. So I, I don't know. I, I need to go back and analyze some of these edge pass rushers of this latest generation and, and try to sort out who do I think goes and who doesn't. And, and just real quickly, kind of like we talked about on Friday, this upcoming class, which we won't really get into for a while, I really think Terrell Owens should go. It makes no sense to me that he didn't get in the first time. I think LaDainian Tomlinson should go. And in terms of a Hall of Fame level, it's not loaded. I mean, if Terrell Davis is going to get in, maybe this is the year he does. I think Kurt Warner has a very good shot. And my personal favorite is Don Coriel. Again, I talked about that on Friday. He was a game-changing coach in terms of the history of the NFL and inventions in the passing game. I think Coriel is an absolute Hall of Famer. So there's today's front four. And it's, you know, got thrown off a little bit. Obviously, I thought we'd actually talk about actual football. We're going to have to wait a couple days for that. That's a bummer. Um, just a couple scheduling notes. Not really even scheduling notes, but I mentioned it last week too. I will be heading back up to Latrobe. It'll be my final visit there for Steelers training camp. I will record the podcast on Wednesday. Uh, from home here. I'll record it obviously tomorrow from home as well. And then Wednesday after I record the podcast, I'll go up to practice. Straight from there, I will do a radio show, check into my hotel, 
get up the next day, there's not a practice on Thursday because that's the day before the Steelers Lions preseason game. So I'll hang in the I'll hang in the uh, hotel majority of the day Thursday. I'll record a podcast from the hotel, and then I'm doing a radio show um, from Latrobe again that evening. Come home, and then I will be going to the Steelers Lions preseason game. Friday evening and doing the post-game show from Heinz Field, too. So I'll be doing the post-game show for all four Steeler preseason games. The home games, I'll be doing them from the stadium. So I'll be paying as much attention, obviously, to the Lions as I will the Steelers. So I'll have as much insights on some of their young guys as well. Take a lot of notes to chat about on the podcast from from watching these guys live, maybe you know talking to some of the reporters and whatnot that are there. Maybe uh, get to talk to a couple of the players, who knows, uh, coaches and whatnot while I'm in the building. So that's coming up. Um, like I said, it's Monday here, about 20 after 11. I, I have some Twitter questions, you know, because we were a little short on content without the game. Um, I'm also, one of my goals for this week, too, is, like I said, I am not a techie at all. And it, it, last week was cool. I did, you know, so, a podcast just with me. But I need to figure out how to get some cool music in to start my start the pod how to get some uh really good guests in the locked on network is growing very very rapidly I, I urge you to check it out you know there's just about every team now has its own daily podcast so you know if you're a bears fan go check out locked on bears you know if whatever your favorite team is in addition to this national podcast covering all 32 go check it out but I need to uh, pull some of their resources to figure out how to do some technical things here and how to do a better job of uh, getting the, the, the quality to where I want it with, with drops maybe and certainly with entry music and certainly with guests. But um, there you have it. And let's talk about... All right, here's, here's a question from AJC Dynasty. So obviously he has some... Uh, fantasy thoughts as well here obviously there's some there's gonna be tons of overlap between NFL and fantasy we're gonna keep it NFL but you know fantasy fans obviously can gain a lot by this but he asks are there any offensive lines that look like they might have some quality depth less worries about injuries hurting them etc and I wanted to talk about this one because there's an offensive line shortage in the NFL right now and I'm not sure the average fan understands this is because it was, this goes back to my recruiting days. You know, like when I was a pit, that was, what, 13, 14 years ago. We had a hard time getting quality big men, especially defensive tackles. I mean, if you can get the 17-year-old kid that's 6'4 to 6'6 from 285 to 3'10, that's a great athlete. In a recruiting class, there might be 10 of them in the entire country. And you know what? They go to Ohio State. They go to Alabama. They go to USC. And as much as I love Pitt, you know, we didn't pull a lot of those guys. You know, they're so such a premium. They go to the very top schools. Not that I blame them. I get it. Um, and therefore, teams like Ohio State and Alabama and whatnot have an influx of these guys year after year. And you know what they do? They turn them into Orlando Pace. You know, they they put them on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they're much more athletic than the average offensive lineman that you recruit. You know, most of the offensive linemen that you recruit could either be a little on the chubby side 
or and you got to cut some weight off them, or they come in as a body type guy, we call them, like a 6'4 and up, 245-pound you know, basketball player that you redshirt and you feed him steaks and lobsters and lives in the weight room. And by his, by the time he's 19, 20 years old, maybe he's 285, growing like a weed and is an athlete that you can develop into a lineman, you know, so that's a quality recruiting move too. But in the end, there's a shortage of athletic big people. So what has been done is to me, that's why this spread has been invented at the college level is we can't ask these guys to block for three, four, five seconds. We have to get it out now. We're going to spread the field. We have receivers. We can recruit receivers. We have, you know, quarterbacks that have been in these passing camps their whole life. You know, we have some running backs that are athletes, but we just don't have the big guys to be old school, big 10, five yards in a cloud of dust type offense. So, you know, Rich Rodriguez and company invented this spread and everybody's using it because it wins games and it keeps coaches employed. So therefore... It has a trickle-down effect in a big way to the NFL. Is There's a very big shortage of offensive linemen in the NFL right now. And why is that? To skip over the college thing for a second, I'll come back to that. One reason is offensive line continuity is absolutely the utmost, one of the most important things. You know, Playing with the guy next to you game after game, year after year. And because there's so much roster movement now, free agency... Um, it changes in starters, I think that hurts the offensive line play overall to a degree as well. Also, I mean, if you there's more money in being a defensive lineman generally. You know, if you're a great, great athlete, I mean, I'm sure J.J. Watt could be a left tackle, but he probably would do better. Or Aaron Donald could be a center, <laughs> you know, I mean, but he's going to make more sacking quarterbacks. So if you can stay on the defensive side of the ball, uh, more power to you, and you probably should from a career path standpoint. But I think the biggest reason there's offensive line shortages right now is they just don't come to the league nearly as ready. You know, back in the 80s or 90s or whatever, a team would a team would draft a kid out of Michigan and plug him in and know that he has spent a lot of time run blocking, has put his hand in the ground, and has blown people off the ball doesn't have to learn all the basic run plays. That's not the case now. You know, I mean, remember Jason Smith from Baylor that went to the Rams? It was, a, what, second pick in the draft? The guy had never put his hand in the dirt. You know, he's a big athlete that comes to the league to learn how to play the position. That's rough, man. I mean, that's rough at any position. An offensive line is far more technical than I think most of you out there realize. And it's also a position where you have to be extremely intelligent and yeah, sure, brawn helps, and, and it is a requirement. And actually, one thing I learned, one of the most the things that will always stick with me that I learned from Phil, Phil Savage and company, and it's something they brought over from the Ravens, and it's very, very true, is if an offensive lineman comes into the league, he's smart, he's tough, and he has the baseline, you know, the, the minimum requirements for size and athletic ability, he'll probably play in this league a very long time. You know, he can... Starts career tackle. They move in the guard or, you know, center and he plays tackle. I mean, my old colleague, Ross Tucker, is a perfect example. I mean, he's not the biggest, baddest dude in the league. I mean, he'll probably tell he wasn't the most athletic or most talented probably on any team he was on. He actually was more of a basketball player when he was young. But he's smart. I probably shouldn't say that on the air, but he actually is pretty bright. Um, when he went to Harvard or Princeton or whatever he talks about. I know where you went, Ross. 
But and he's tough, you know, and he would do anything to win, and he would play all over the line of scrimmage. It's really hard to cut those guys. It's you know, it's lovely when you're in, sitting there on draft day saying, "I'll take," you know, two bad Ram examples. I'll take Jason Smith. Or I'll take Robinson. These guys are, you know, Robinson never pass blocked at Auburn. You know, so these guys come in the league so raw, and. There's only so many hours in the day to coach these guys up against, okay, go block Vaughn Miller, go block J.J. Watt, go, go block Aaron Donald. And all three of those guys are so very different and so very challenging. So it comes to game day or it comes down to, you know, you're making your final cuts or you're building your final roster. And should I put Greg Robinson in a guard that doesn't know what he's doing, that is an athletic freak and an unbelievably gifted? And I know he's left tackle, but I'm just saying, should I put him at guard or should I put Ross Tucker in a guard? Well, Ross isn't going to blow a block. He's going to know exactly where to be. He's going to battle and scrape up until the echo of the whistle. And he's going to help us win. So developing offensive linemen is a very difficult chore. And unfortunately, that's what the NFL has to do much more often. I mean, even look at the... It used to be that in Ogden, Baselli, um, Pace, Walter Jones, you know, would come in the league, be a top five or seven pick had about zero bust potential. I mean, even Joe Thomas and some of these guys. And that's still where the best ones come from. But it's difficult. I mean, you really need to develop these guys, and that's a hard chore for any offensive line coach. So there is an offensive line shortage. Well, I forgot about the question. So who are some teams that don't have offensive line shortages? Minnesota comes to mind right away, and I've been commending their offseason like crazy. Phil Lodeholt retired, but... They massively addressed the offensive line issues. They got a couple guys like Sullivan coming back from injury. They went out and signed Boone. They signed Andre Smith. And you could be the, the negative guy here and say, boy, this offensive line would be great in 2014. You know, some of these guys' bad days may be behind them. But they have depth. I mean, they have eight or nine guys that have played an awful lot. And their line was a real problem last year. So they actively went out and did something about it. They have a lot of bodies there. Who knows exactly how that adds up and how that it shakes out. And we'll see. I, I, I'm not positive how that'll work. Even Khalil at left tackle is a question mark. Another team that did this too is the Chargers. The Chargers have brought in Slauson. They went and used an early pick on Turek, who's a very talented player. And... Their offensive line isn't the. There's no stars, but it their, their problem has been health, and so they went out and they addressed the depth in a big way. And I've been talking since we've been getting together here for a week now that one of my favorite bounce back teams is the San Diego Chargers, and that's a big reason why. I mean, I think there's a less chance that their offensive line really hinders them this year because they actually have some depth. The Cowboys are the best line in the league, and they do have some depth as well. I mean. Obviously, if they were to lose Smith or Federick or Martin or something like that, that would be a blow. They're the, some of the best players at their position. But they have some developmental players. They used another draft pick there this year. Uh, they have Leary, who can't quite get on the field either. So there is depth here as well as star power, as well as continuity. It's the best line in the league. I'm probably missing some, you know, but, but there again, there is a shortage. There are a lot of teams right now that would kill for offensive line depth, and it's a hard, hard thing to come by. But the Bengals, I think, have it too. You know, uh, they've been they've been a very good line now for the last several years with one big weakness to me, and that is at center. 
and they didn't do much to address that. Um, you know, they, they used a pick, the first two picks in the draft last year on the tackle positions, and Fisher may end up being a swing tackle guard, sixth lineman type. But in the end, that's depth. And the Westerman kid they drafted this year, he's a guard that they say isn't going to play center, but I don't know why you wouldn't play him there because their centers are bad. Um, but that ends up being depth. Again, there's a big red flag there in me is what, what are they going to do at center? But their guard tackle depth is basically as good as it gets, really, and that's even losing Andre Smith. And that's counting on some young guys, of course, but uh, that's what you have to do. Folks, that's going to wrap it up here on a Monday. I actually have an eye appointment I need to get to, which is screwing up my day. I got a bunch of radio hits. I got articles to write. Uh, we will get together tomorrow. Uh, I need to think of some things we really need to talk about tomorrow. And I will let you know via Twitter. Check me out at Williamson NFL. Great chat with you guys, as always. I'm pretty excited to do it on an everyday basis. And again, go check out the Locked On Network. I don't know if you're NBA fans, but that's where it all started. Uh, and the NFL section, team by team, and this one, as well as a fantasy one, is growing like crazy. It's cool to be a part of and kind of be the, the, the flagship national uh, podcast that wraps them all together. So we will talk tomorrow. Take care, all. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17